Headed into interview uh, Mr. Brad Cohen, who's the assistant principal. And this is special to me because Brad was my assistant principal when I taught. And we've been meaning to set this up for a while, so here we go. I'm very fortunate to be a podcaster. And when you are a podcaster, you meet a lot of interesting people. A lot of people that you may want to interview one day. And sometimes it takes years to schedule and record an interview. This is one of those times. My second life. What's up? Mr. Cohen. Come on in. Thank you, sir. Hello. 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 Hi friends, I'm Tim Villegas from the Maryland Coalition for Inclusive Education, and you are listening to Think Inclusive, our podcast that brings you conversations about inclusive education and what inclusion looks like in the real world. Brad Cohen is an educator, author, and motivational speaker, and I'm glad to call him my friend. He has Tourette syndrome and has dedicated his career to advocating for individuals with disabilities. Brad has written a book called Front of the Class, How Tourette's Syndrome Made Me the Teacher I Never Had. And his story has been made into a Hallmark movie and most recently a Bollywood film. And real talk, I've been trying to get an interview with Brad on Think Inclusive since about 2017. So, so glad this is finally happening. For this episode, Brad discusses the misconceptions surrounding the condition and the challenges he faced in finding a job. He emphasizes the importance of understanding and support from educators, as well as the need to focus on students' strengths rather than their weaknesses. Brad shares his personal experiences and encourages families to be open and honest about their child's disability, while also advocating for self-acceptance and perseverance. He highlights the power of education in making a difference in inspiring others. This week's episode is brought to you by us. That's right, the Maryland Coalition for Inclusive Education. MCIE is a nonprofit organization dedicated to supporting schools and school systems on their journey to create inclusive school communities where all children and youth feel a sense of belonging and have equitable educational opportunities that result in high levels of academic success. To learn more about how MCIE can provide customized technical assistance and professional learning for your school or district, visit MCIE.org. After a quick break, my interview with Brad Cohen. And make sure to stick around at the end of the episode for free time. This week, I've got a song that will hopefully put a smile on your face. We will be right back. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. 
So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Brad Cohen, um, welcome to the Think Inclusive podcast. Thank you. It's good to be here. <laughs> awesome. So, um, Brad, you actually hired me. Well, you mean you and the principal, but you hired me for a teaching job. That was a while ago now. Yeah, it's crazy to think about it like that. Yeah. Well, yeah. And, well, uh, and I remember, um, I never, well, I don't well, think I had never, I had, not met you before our interview. Okay. But uh, my supervisor was like, oh, yeah, you know who's at that school is, you know, Brad. And, you know, he's the he's the administrator. He has Tourette's. And, you know, we can hear him sometimes at, like, the staff meetings oh. and stuff like that. And I was like, oh, okay, all right, you know. <laughs> and so, cool. And so I, I remember walking down, um, the, you know, the hallway to meet with you and uh, the principal and, you know, just having you in the room, it was, you know, it was, uh, it was great. It was awesome. I felt like, I don't know, I felt at home. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. It was great. <laughs> do you remember that? Oh, I, I vaguely remember your interview. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, I do. And I mean, we were, I remember we were really impressed with you. So <laughs> um, that's what I remember about it. And like, we got, we need this guy right here in our school. We thought you'd be a good match. So um, but yeah, I mean, most people kind of have that feeling. They know a little bit about me, and and then they uh, well, 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 then they meet me, and they just they they just kind of deal with it, you know, deal with the threats. Yeah. So I guess, um, like, you know, like we've been talking about, you've been doing this for a long time. So for people who haven't met you or haven't like thought about what it's like to work with or you know, be in the same school with a person with Tourette's, like what are some misconceptions about that? Uh, I think some of the biggest misconceptions, you know, about it, um, like for me growing up, some of the biggest misconceptions was that it's a, it's a behavior problem, you know, that Brad just can't control his behavior. So I had to overcome that stereotype. 
you know, and then I think as, as adults, I think the biggest misconception is just that if if you have Tourette's, you're kind of disabled, so you probably can't do the work as well as everyone else. So I just kind of get out there and I do my thing and I try to, you know, have people treat me like anyone else. And I think after they get to know me after a while, they'll see that I can do the job just as well as anybody else. Yeah. Yeah. So what kinds of things did you come up against, though, as as a person like trying well, to overcome some, some of those misconceptions? Can you talk about like as a kid or as an adult? Either one. No, I, I'd say like, the biggest challenge, I think, was me trying to find a job for the first time. I went on uh, 25 different interviews before someone finally believed in me and wanted to give me a chance. You know, they, they, some people just knew that they didn't want to hire a guy with Tourette's. They didn't want to put that on the plate. And then other um, people um, were, were up, maybe up for the challenge, but they had to get other people to be up for the challenge too. So maybe the administrator was willing to do it, but the, the team I was going to be on was, were a little apprehensive. So we really had to find the right match. And so at the time, it was really hard. It was really difficult because I just I just wanted to be a teacher. I knew I could do it. I want to make a difference. I was ready to get in the classroom and and do my thing. But but we had to find the right match. And so looking back, um, although it was really tough, I did find the right match. My first my first job was at the perfect place because the administrators believed in me and the teachers were believing in me. And ultimately, the kids and the parents that I worked with believed in me. So it worked out well. Well, and, and why, like, why teaching though? Like, what, what was, like, you knew you wanted to be a teacher, but like, what drew, drew you to teaching? Yeah, I, I think growing up, I was always treated so differently, and people didn't believe in me. People didn't believe in me because of the funny faces and the funny noises that I made every single day. Well, well, well. But I was out there, and I wanted to show them all that 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 I could be a successful. You know, student, I could be a successful teacher. I could be a successful human being, um, and so um, I was. I was. I don't know. I guess I was always up against the odds, and um, and I. I don't know. I guess kids always treated me um, well. Like as I got older, I would volunteer with with kids, and I would I would help out in in different situations or in different classrooms. And I always felt like kids understood me once I explained it to them. Once I educated them about Tourette's. So, it wasn't a problem. Um, so I knew that this would be a, a good place for me to work in, in the education field because here we are teaching kids all day long about reading and writing and socializing math and science and kids learn and they get better because of it. Um, well, why not just educate about Tourette's and then we move on. And so it worked for me and I knew that it was the right fit. Yeah. So, and just so my personal experience, well, I think that we've talked about this, um, you know, since I never had any experience with ha- having any sort of family member or friends with Tourette's, um, and you being the the only person that I've you know interacted with, I was you know I was just curious, like how is this? How is this going to work? You know, well, in well. at school, is it going to be distracting and stuff like that? Um, and one, I think a light bulb went on for me especially because you know that I, I was a teacher for students with autism, right? And so sometimes you have students who make noises, you know, and it's like involuntary, right? And the light, the light bulb went on for me because it was like, well, if, if we as a school can just 
get over the noises with Mr. Cohen, like maybe everyone else can kind of get over some of the things that my, you know, our students are having to deal with, you know, I would agree. I mean, I want to be that role model, you know, I want to be that person where people say he's different, but, but he can still do it. And and then down the road, they don't even talk about the threats anymore because they get to know me, you know, really for who I am on the inside and not what I'm all about on the outside. So yeah, if you, if you could take that same type of thought where if the community can get used to Brad as an adult, then we should look past kids differences also. And I, I very, I mean, I want to be that role model. I want to be that person to help stimulate that conversation because I think it's really important. Um, you know, our education has come a long way. We're still not there. We, we got a ways to go, but I think, you know, having, having, you know, that type of diversity in the classrooms and in the schools really goes a long way. Yeah. Um, so well, when I was uh, at the school with you and I that something that you did at the beginning of the year was you held we held we had an assembly and you kind of explained who you were, you know, what your differences were and, and kind of set the tone for the school year with acceptance and tolerance and diversity. And so I'm wondering, could you explain like. When did that start and, and what is like what is that? What's your thought process through that? Yeah, so it goes back to when I was in um, seventh grade. Um, my principal asked me if I would be interested in educating all the students about Tourette's because no one really knew what was going on. They just knew I was this kid that made noises and I was getting in trouble all the time, but they didn't really know why. So I said, you know, um, what's what's the worst thing that can happen? I would I would lose my friends. Well, I didn't have any friends. So I decided, well, let's get up there and educate everyone about Tourette's. And so the two of us got up there and we told them what Tourette's was and uh, we explained it to them and uh, we wanted them to feel comfortable about it. And we told them at the end, if you have any questions that you have and you want to learn more about Tourette's, just come up and ask. I'm really open and honest about it. And um, and after that, like my life changed. Um, I remember after I did that interview or after I did that um conversation with the uh, school, when I went to sit down, all the students gave me a round of applause. They gave me a standing ovation. And I realized that they just wanted to know why I was making the noises. So then what happened was the next year, we did it again. And then the next year after that, well, um, I went to high school and I couldn't really get up in front of the whole high school and educate them. But what I did was before each class, I got up and I educated all the kids in my class about Tourette's. So you know, if I had seven classes, I did that seven times a semester. And what I realized is that the more I did that, the more people understood me and just just understood what I was all about. And they were able to appreciate me for who I was and not just the threats. And then um, I went on to college. I did the same thing. And then when I started um, becoming a teacher, um, I would educate my, my class about it. And then other teachers would invite me into their class to educate their students about Tourette syndrome. And I would do it. And then when I became an administrator, I was like, well, I still need to educate all these students. So why not do it at the beginning of the year? And I did in one big swoop. And uh, I think that uh, what I learned and what I've known, and that's why I'm in education, is that education is a powerful tool. You know, when we use it the right way, it can really make a difference. So um, it doesn't only have to happen for the academics, but also can happen for individuals' needs. And it worked for me. So you do a lot of speaking outside of school. Yes, right. I, I do speak. Right. So what are some of the, the topics that you speak on? 
I think my, my biggest topic that I speak on is I just share my story. My job is to inspire other educators or um, people that are um, in different groups and organizations or companies. Um, my job is to inspire them. And um, number one, remind them about the difference that they make. And number two, remind them that just because people are different, that we should be giving everyone a chance because ultimately we can all reap the benefits, much like my principal was able to reap the benefits when I became a teacher at their school. Um, I, I try to share my passions in life um, and share how um, we need to keep a positive attitude. And when we keep that positive attitude, it goes a long way. I mean, in my life, I could have had a negative attitude so many different times. But I think at a young age, I realized that just going around with a negative attitude wasn't going to get me anywhere. And my mom always instilled in me that keep that positive attitude and that will help you get over the hump to be successful in life. And so that's what I did. Um, again, I have bad days, but I try to wake up each day and get that positive attitude and move forward because that's that's my survival for me. Um, and then I try to teach people about perseverance, not giving up. Um, and then if they're like an educator to not give up on their students, much like people did give up on me. And uh, I think that when, when people see, um, a true life example and have a real story to, to be, to, to, to learn about, they can go back to their own communities and, and think about my story to help them make a difference in the community that they're with. Um, so I had a question in there about highlights of your career. Um, and I'm, so we're sitting at um, Brad's table, and right to his right is a picture wow. of uh, Brad with Oprah. You know, so I would assume that would be a highlight. That was definitely a highlight. <laughs> that was definitely a highlight. So, I mean, um, so I wrote a book called Front of the Class How Trek Syndrome Made Me the Teacher I Never Had. And, um, and when I, the book came out, we um, sent it out to, um, we did press releases and got the word out to try to get media to back it up. And um, we sent one to Oprah and her her crew. And uh, months later, she reached out to me and wanted to have me on her show about uh, beating the odds. And uh, so Oprah invited me up to Chicago and I was on her show and uh, it was awesome. It was a great opportunity to share my story, inspire other people around the country, but also I got a chance to meet Oprah. <laughs> and, uh, and so... The book uh, eventually became the movie. Correct. Right? So tell us about that. So after I was on Oprah, um, um, you know, word got out about my story. And um, I did some speaking engagements. And while I was on one of my speaking engagements, um, a gentleman was with me and said, you have an incredible story, Brad. Uh, one of the things I do is I pitch people's stories to movie producers um, to turn into real life movies. Uh, would you be interested in this? I said, sure. And so a couple months later, we learned that Hallmark Hall of Fame wanted to do a made-for-TV movie about my life. And so they um, they filmed they filmed the movie, and the movie came out in um, December of 2008. And um, it was it was on CBS. Millions of people saw it, and um, you know it's still replayed today. And um, a lot of people watch it, and it it's just it was a great movie. Um, it was about 90% true and, um, <laughs> that's actually stuff, pretty good. That's really good. The stuff <laughs> that wasn't true was like the timeline of events. Um, they put everything like in my first year of teaching and that's not really how it happened, but for the sake of a movie, it was fine. And, um, well, well, um, you know, lots of people watch it and really were inspired. Like, like 
families that have kids with disabilities, you know, watch that movie and say, you know what, if, if Brad can do it, then my kid can do it too. And that was my goal. Like I just wanted to share my story and make a difference. And so I knew I was making a difference at my school as a teacher and then as a school, as a principal, assistant principal. Um, and then now I knew I can make a difference across the whole country and the whole world because people could see my movie. Yeah. And it's, it's been remade. It was remade. It was remade in Bollywood and uh, it was made in India. And um, it was actually a big screen movie. It was in the movie theaters and it was called Hitchki, which means hiccup in Hindi. Oh. And so um, they, they, uh, they took some uh, creative liberties. So <laughs> the front of the class was like 90% true while the Hitchki was about 25% true. But the premise was the same. And they, um, they, they shared my story again about this teacher that was making a difference in the lives of kids. And despite his challenges with Tourette's, he overcame it and showed others that they could overcome it too. That, that is fantastic. So it was a fun experience. Yeah, that is fantastic. Um, so I, I have to bring this up because I know this about you. Um, a little known or maybe a well-known fact that you were um, part of the Braves organization. I was. I was part of the Atlanta Braves organization. I was the mascot for the Atlanta Braves. So at the time, his name was Homer. It was a baseball head with a baseball uniform. And I ran around Turner Field and acted crazy. <laughs> I had fun with the kids and the fans and rooted on the Braves. So that was a fun summer job for me to do. It's a great, you know, you're a teacher throughout the year. What do you do in the summer? Hey, why don't you go be a mascot? <laughs> love baseball, love kids. So let's go have some fun. Uh, that's right. But your heart belongs well, to the uh, uh, to the Cardinals. Yeah, right? I grew up in St. Louis. So Cardinals come first and then the Braves. Yeah, I, I feel you. I feel you. I'm a Dodger fan first always. Okay. <laughs> but then you got to root for the home team here. So. That's right. That's right. So um, the majority of our listeners are educators. What do you want educators to know um, about Tourette's? Because well, maybe they've never had a student with Tourette's in their class and all of a sudden it happens, you know, the special education supervisor is like, well, guess what? This is happening. And they're, they just don't know what to expect. So how would you prepare an educator for that? Yeah. Um, I, I think the, the, the number one thing you gotta do is once you get a kid with Tourette's, you gotta go out there and learn a little bit about it, well, you know, go read up on it. Um, you know, like, like you could read a book like mine, or you just get the information off of the, the internet. You're just trying to learn as much as you can. Um, and then, you know, we were talking about preconceived notions before. Um, you know, a lot of people think that, that Tourette's is a behavior problem and it's not, you got to look past that. Um, many kids with Tourette's have high cognitive ability levels. Um, so they have the intelligence. It's just that they're, they're, they're ticks that they have. They're making noises. They're twitching their eyes. They're tr- jerking their necks. Well, well, they're yelling out words. Um, it causes a, a lot of interference with the learning that is supposed to take place, not only for the kid himself, but the teacher's trying to teach and the kids interrupting the rest of the kids. So there's a lot going on there. So I would say, just remember, this isn't, that's not a behavior problem. Um, it's a neurological disorder. So that would be my first thing. The second thing is, and this is what most teachers do. This is why we do what we do is you got to believe in a kid. You know, you, you got to be that one teacher that is going to believe in that kid when nobody else will. Um, my challenge to educators is to step up and be that, that, that teacher that will give that kid a chance despite the challenges that other teachers may have had. I'd like for them to step up and do the best that they can do for that kid. 
give that kid opportunities, really get in there and make sure they have a good IEP so that, so that we're setting that kid up for success. Communicate with the kid. Like don't only talk to the parent, but also talk to the kid and ask the kid, what are their needs or what do they, what do they need to make a successful situation in the school? You know, we're talking about some kids are in elementary school. They can still articulate what they need. Or you're talking about a kid in high school that really has already lived several years through education and know what they need. Um, you know, for me, like reading was always difficult. Well, well, well. Like when I start reading, my ticks act up more. I twitch more. It's hard to concentrate. So I needed to find an atmosphere where I could actually concentrate and read. Um, and so you got to you got to ask the kid what was best for them. Um I know for me, um, like when I was growing up, there were there were books on tape that I was able to listen to. And so why not let a, a book on tape or a podcast or a, a CD or whatever, or even letting the kid watch the movie first? Like, I know that most teachers frown upon that, but I remember um, I read a book in high school and I watched the movie first. And then I was able to read the book and I was able to read it so much easier because I kind of knew what was coming up. It made it made it so much easier for me. Um, I mean, so you have to remember that there's so many challenges that kids with Tourette's have. Try to take those barriers away so that they can have a, a successful education. Oh, well, like math was really difficult for me growing up. So I needed, you know, a lot of the, uh, I kind of needed like a, a cheat sheet that had the formulas and the, the, um, the equations, I guess, uh, uh, in front of me, so I could then go do the the math. Um, for me, like even even multiplication was hard at first, so they gave me like a multiplication chart where I could go when I was learning like multiple digit multiplication. I would get stuck, but once I started using the multiplication chart, I started to get better at math, and then I eventually learned my multiplication facts. So I think you got to ask the kid what's best for them, and then <clears throat> try to give them a chance. Um, so I think that that's I think that's important, and then ultimately, you know, as as educators, we're here to fulfill dreams. Like you know, kids aspire to be different things, and don't be so quick to shoot them down with what their dreams may be. Um, people, plenty of people, told me I couldn't be a teacher because I had threats, and I went out there and I proved them all wrong. But you have to remember, not not all kids have the same mentality as I did. I mean, um, so I, I was fortunate to to break through the other side while other people. Um, you know, once they're shot down too many times, they just give up and sometimes they drop out of school and that's not always fair to them. Uh, I, I wanted to touch on what you said about behavior and about it, it, uh, it, it not being one and it, it, well, it, it well. Root, root, the root being neurological. Um, cause you've talked, you've talked to before about, um, the well, feeling well. like the way that you're feeling about a certain place or a person and feeling, you know, safe or whether or not well, something is difficult or easy, that that affecting the frequency well, and the intensity of, well, of, uh, of your vocal tics or your, the, your movement tics, right? Yep. Yeah. So, yeah. So people with Tourette's like for me, I make lots of noises. Well, so, you know, when I go to the library, what are you supposed to be in the library? It's supposed to be quiet. So what happens to me? I start making noises. Um, when I go to a movie theater, wah, 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 wah. I try to go to a movie, but the first thing I tell you is make sure you're quiet. And so my ticks act up. And then as the movie goes on, I get more comfortable. My ticks will not happen as much. But yeah, when I put myself in situations where I'm, I, I have more, you know, I'm nervous or I'm under stress or I'm in an uncomfortable environment, my ticks are going to happen a lot more. Um, 
So the same is true in education. You know, if I know there's a test that's going to happen, most kids are nervous when they have a test. They just, they don't show it. Maybe they have sweaty palms or maybe they, they, they're, they're tapping their leg a lot. Well, for me, I'm just making noises. So yeah, when I'm nervous, everyone knows I'm nervous. When I'm under stress, everyone knows I'm under stress. So I try to get as relaxed as I can for different situations so that I can kind of live life like everybody else. Yeah, yeah. There's a particular kind of Tourette's. I don't remember the name of it, but I think it's the one where you have um, people who say really inappropriate things or do inappropriate things. It's called corporalalia. Yeah. Well, yes. Thank you. Well, Known that some educators are like they have they, maybe they see that or experience that with with a learner, right? Mm-hmm. But they they are say what. Their assumption is, well, even though they know that Tourette's is not behavioral, right, and they know it's a neurological disorder, they're like, but there's some, like, they know, this learner knows what they're doing. This well, learner well, knows the words that they're saying are not the right things or, the, the, or you know, maybe there's some movements there that mm-hmm. that, that learner well, shouldn't be doing. So... Um, like if you were advising an educator that maybe is running into this issue, um, like how would you how would you address that? So another one of the biggest misconceptions is that everyone with Tourette says bad words. So only about five percent of the of the Tourette community has corpulalia. So um, fortunate for me, I don't say bad words, or at least I can't blame it on Tourette's. Okay, <laughs> so wah, 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 wah. Uh, but I don't have the corpulalia. But going back to like even the idea of why 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 do they say bad words? Like why do they say the F word and the B word, but they don't say cat or dog? So it kind of goes back to what I said before. When I go to a movie theater, well, what are you supposed to be? You're supposed to be quiet. What do I do? I make noises. It's the same premise. In this person's mind, they have to say a word. Why don't they say cat? Because that's appropriate. If you say the F word, it's inappropriate. So Tretz is kind of telling you to do what you're not supposed to do. So that that's how it kind of happens. Um, there, are, there are people that have Tretz that's called echolalia, which is the repeating of words. Um, so maybe they hear someone say the word dog, and then dog gets stuck in your word, and like dog, 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 dog. That's not corporalalia. So unfortunately, the corporalalia is you're saying words that are inappropriate. And yes, the person knows it's inappropriate, but because of Tourette's being neurological, they can't help it. They have to say this word, and they have to say it in a, in a way that's not going to be appropriate for our society. Mm, yeah. Um, a- any other tips for how educators can support uh, learners? Again, I think it goes back to always talking to the kid, talking to the person about what their needs are. Sometimes educators think that they know what's best for kids, but they never ask the kid what they want. And sometimes the kid can, can articulate to you what they need in order to be successful. And so talk to the kid, like build a relationship. I mean, part of education is building relationships with kids. Um, you want the kid to trust you as a teacher. So make sure that you have those conver- those deep conversations with the kid. And if you need to bring in a counselor, you need to bring in the parent to have these conversations, go ahead and do so. But I think that that will help um, create a, a, a better environment for the kid during their educational days. Who or what has made the biggest difference in your life? Hmm. Good question. 
So, well, well, I would say my mom played a huge role. Again, growing up, she made sure that I stayed positive. Um, I remember going to a threats and a support group meeting and everyone was negative there. And I remember leaving it, telling my mom, I don't want to be one of those people. I don't want to be so negative about Tourette's. Like, I don't want to live my life in that manner. And, um, and she always encouraged me to go out there and stay positive and do the best that I could. So my mom, um, I'd say my principal in, in middle school who got up and educated everyone about Tourette's, um, that, was a, that was a big deal at the time. Um, and so that really, that really changed my life. I mean, it was really at that time, you know, seventh grade that I realized what I wanted to do for the rest of my life. I wanted to be a teacher. I realized the power of education. So he played a huge role. And then I'd say the principal who hired me, the principal and assistant principal who actually hired me for my first job after 25 interviews, um, he, they were the ones that, that said, let's give Brad a chance. And the conversation the principal and assistant principal had is, um, you know, we have a lot of special needs kids in our school. And well, if we're going to walk the walk, then we need, if we're, we're going to, if we're going to talk the talk, we need to walk the walk. <laughs> yeah. And that was what he felt that if, if we're going to say all these, that these kids can do all these things. So we need to give Brad a chance. And so I, I would say those three people, all the people that really stand out the most for me, as far as really making a difference um, in my life. Wow. How would you encourage families if they have a, you know, well, a child with Tourette's, but really any disability? Well, I'm going to say it again, but. I think you have to be upfront and honest. I mean, so many times families learn about their kid has a disability and they're so scared to talk about it to anybody else because they don't want their kid to be labeled. Well, the reality is, is your kid's already labeled, okay? So now you need to put support systems in place. So, you know, someone someone's going to educate these other people about your kid's condition. Um, get, get ahead of it. Like, go ahead and you be the one. Like, I want you to be the voice. And so... You decide what you want other people to know and educate people so that they can do what's best for your kids. So that would be the first thing is 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 not only educating people, but accepting it. Mm-hmm. Um, once you accept it, it goes a long way. You know, I tell people all the time, I never I never chose to have Tourette syndrome. Um, it wasn't my choice, but I did choose to accept it. And once I accepted it, I think I was able to thrive in life. Um, so I think that that's important. Um I think that you have that conversation with your with your with your relatives, um, and you make sure grandparents understand what's going on, and cousins and aunts and uncles, so that it makes it easier for family functions when when the kid that has a disability or has a challenge in life, um, they can succeed. Um, the other thing I would say is is don't always focus on the negative. Don't always focus on the kid's disability. Um, let's focus on the kid's strengths. Every kid has strengths. And as a parent, it's your job to, to help your kid recognize what their strengths are. And then once they recognize what they are, go out there and do it. So well, if your kid is really good at sports, let them go out there and play soccer or baseball or whatever the sport is, or be a gymnast. Um, if they're really good at reading, then go out there and get really good books and get part of become part of um, reading, reading clubs and book clubs. Um, go find out what your kid is good at and then surround them by that so that they can enjoy it. Because what happens is, for kids that have challenges in life, like disabilities, they well, they're going to have challenges. And so, when they have those challenges and and they feel like they're a failure and they're not able to do something, what you want them to do is look back and say, "Okay, you're not good at this, and you're not doing well now, but you are good at this because they have these strengths that they're good at." And so, I think we need to also focus on kids' strengths and not just their weaknesses. And I think that goes a long way because that builds up self confidence um, in those kids. 
and they um and they they can go out there and shine um when when they're given the opportunity to do so thank you so much for being on the think inclusive podcast it's an honor to be here cheers that chime means it's free time this week we are going way back into the public domain archives and depending on when you're listening to this episode it's probably sometime during the holiday season and One song that always reminds me of the holidays, but isn't necessarily a holiday song, is Pennies from Heaven. It's an absolute classic. The music is by Arthur Johnston and lyrics by Johnny Burke. It was first introduced in the 1936 film of the same name, where it was performed by Bing Crosby. The song is very popular. It's an enduring standard recorded by Lots of different artists over the years. I love this one, especially the lyrics. The song uses the metaphor of finding pennies from heaven as a symbol of unexpected good fortune or happiness. The basic idea is that even in difficult times, there is hope for better things to come. And so as we close out this episode, let's hold on to hope. Hope for a more inclusive Future. Here is Pennies from Heaven, performed by Louis Armstrong, Bing Crosby, Francis Langford, accompanied by Jimmy Dorsey and his orchestra. Now every time it rains, it rains, pennies from heaven. Don't you know each cloud contains pennies from heaven? You'll find your fortune falling all over town. Be sure that your rumbella is upside down. Trade them for a package of sunshine in flowers. If you want the things you love, you must have showers. So when you hear it thunder, don't run under a tree. There'll be pennies from heaven for you and me. For more information about inclusive education or to learn how you can partner with MCIE on school transformation or professional learning opportunities, visit MCIE.org. Love Think Inclusive? Here are a few ways to let us know. Rate us on Spotify or leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Become a patron like these fine people. Thank you to Aaron P., Jarrett T., Joyner A., Kathy B., Mark C., Gabby M., and Kathleen T., for your continued support of Think Inclusive. Think Inclusive is written, edited, designed, mixed, and mastered by me, Tim Viegas. Original music by Miles Kredich. Additional music from Melody. Thanks for your time and attention. And remember, inclusion always works. Oh, when you hear it thunder, don't run under a tree. There'll be pennies from heaven for you and me.
how Tourette's syndrome made me the teacher You're too loud, Jupiter. From MCIE. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health-monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.